Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Frankie Bow, the author of the Molly Barta Mysteries, the first of which, Musubi Murder, was released last week. Frankie, welcome. Thank you, Stephen. Did I say it right? Did I say Musubi right? Well, I've heard it as Musubi, but it certainly isn't a capital crime to say Musubi. Either <laughs> either one would suit. Okay. So tell us first, before we get into it, and then we'll get into this, uh, the, the unusual title, but first... Tell us about Molly, and uh, she's a she's an interesting character. Uh, she's a little bit obsessive. She's fun to read about. She's the kind of person that we would actually, I think, want to know. So tell us about her, and then we'll get into the book. Oh, thank you. Well, I wanted to do a first person character because I think it's it, for me it's easier to write in first person. I just pretend that I'm sitting down and writing an email to a friend, you know, and then this happened, and then that happened, and it's sort of a, a chatty kind of. Um, way to write. It mm-hmm. makes it easier for me to write. And I wanted to have a character that was easy for me to inhabit, but was not me. I Because I really didn't want to put me out there, you know. So she is like me. She is a professor in a university in um, Hawaii. But I've really cranked up sort of the obsessive, compulsive, <laughs> neurotic aspect of her personality. And I have made her very impractical. So she's, she's somebody who really doesn't have any hardships in her background. She grew up very privileged and, you know, sort of loved by her parents. And so she thought, I love literature and reading. I am going to go and get a PhD in literature and creative writing. And that will be wonderful. <laughs> and my life will be, you know, I'll be in a leafy uh, university teaching small seminars of brilliant undergraduates. And she graduated with her impractical PhD and life did not work out that way for her. So she's got these sort of impractical, idealistic uh, aspects to her personality. So she's about as far from the ivy-covered walls of, say, Cambridge, Massachusetts, as a person could possibly be. Exactly. (laughs) So she sort of had that in mind and she did not end up uh, expect to end up teaching at a regional university that's suffering, you know, year after year of budget cuts. <laughs> and it's fun so. reading about that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, so she sits on a yoga ball. I was going to say, tell us about her chair. <laughs> <laughs> so her chair broke and she, uh, you know, went to requisition a new chair and she was told, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have any budget for furniture, for faculty, <laughs> for faculty furniture. And so she said, well, what am I supposed to do? So the secretary helpfully told her, well, if you go down to Galimba's Bargain Boys in their sporting goods section, you can find a yoga ball. And a lot of people are using that. So she dutifully went down and spent $15 on a yoga ball. And that is now her chair. And she has to try not to oscillate, you know, on the ball while people are in her office because it makes them seasick. And so that's, you know, that's that's one of the ways that she deals with the, the budget cuts. And uh, finances seem to just play an important role in every aspect of the university, from uh, admittance standards and and, yes. and some of the decisions that are made. And that's just funny, especially for someone like me who's many, 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 many years away from college. Uh, it just it's very fun to read about. So, oh, thank you. So why why did you pick? Other than the fact that you're 
you're in that world yourself. Why did you pick that particular world to write about and to, and to craft this series in? Well, I write what I like to read. And I do, I love books where people just work themselves into a lather over the tiniest and most minuscule of stakes. <laughs> so I love the Map and Lucia books, for example. They're not exactly murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. I don't, um, but they just get into these huge feuds over who gets to play Queen Elizabeth and the village pageant. And this, you know, there's all this Machiavellian scheming going on over, you know, things like that. And so that's one of the things that's so wonderful about an academic setting is there are things that are very important, like, you know, students learning things so that they can be prepared to go out and have jobs and lives. But then there are these other things like who gets teaching awards, which, you know, mean very little and who gets to, you know, like what colors are the office chairs and the administrative offices. And, you know, so, so I love it that I love a setting where, um, people just have their own kind of value systems and sets of rules, and especially where everyone thinks they're on the right side. Everyone thinks they're <laughs> the good guy. So, you know, this, you know, Molly thinks, Molly Barta, the protagonist, thinks the student retention office is just a plague, right? You know, because they're always saying, oh, you should make your classes easier and you should make your classes more fun and everyone is a genius and everyone learns and you should honor everyone's individual learning styles. And, you know, but they think they are on the side of the angels. <laughs> so, you know, there's no bad guy. Everyone thinks they're a hero. Angels being the uh, the side where the money comes in, I guess. Hey, well, there you go. Yes, the student retention office is the one entity on campus that has a, they have a nice big grant. And so they've got all the money. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Now let, let's get into Musubi murder. Did I do it right that time? Yes, that was perfect. Okay. Thank you. All right. So tell us about the story itself here. So this is an, Molly Barta is an amateur sleuth and the amateur sleuth classically gets drawn into the mystery against uh, his or her will, right? They, mm-hmm. it's, they're not a private detective or law enforcement officer. They, and this is very true of Molly Barta. She doesn't have tenure. She has readjusted her expectations, and she just she realizes <laughs> she's very lucky to have a nice job in a you know, beautiful, if remote, place. And she just wants to get tenure and bloom where she's been planted. And so... What happens is um, a business, a local businessman, Jimmy Tanaka, um, he's a fast food entrepreneur and a local developer, and he pledges a large amount of money to Molly's employer, the you know College of Commerce at Mahina State University. And so they have a big breakfast in his honor, and he doesn't show up. Uh, not only that, someone pulls a sort of a grisly prank, which I won't describe too much, although the book cover kind of gives a hint as to what that is. <laughs> And so she's thinking, okay, well, the guy didn't show up. Great. I can get back to work now. And her dean stops her and says, um, I want you to find Tanaka and write a little press release about him. And she's like, why me? He says, well, you teach business communication. You can do it. (laughs) And of course, you know, that's really the marketing office's job, but her dean doesn't want to, you know, get in line with the marketing office and he's already alienated the marketing office anyway. So he figures he can sort of push the junior faculty around, which he can. So she's like, Oh, great. You know, so now I have to track down this guy. And so she tries to track down this guy as she's been told to do. 
And that's where she ends up getting pulled into this sort of situation where there's decades old grudges and revenge and, you know, all kinds of things that she didn't expect to find. All right. Now, you you describe Molly as an amateur sleuth. Would you describe the book and the series as a cozy series? It is a cozy, but what I've come to realize is there's sort of a typology of cozies, right? So on one end of the spectrum is, and this is what the Musabi murder is not. It is not a cat's recipes and hobbies kind of cozy, <laughs> right? Because that's that's its own genre. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Molly Barda is a famously indifferent cook, and she uses her oven to store her extra shoes because what else is she going to use it for? She's certainly not going to use it to cook, right? Her her microwave is really the only appliance that gets any regular exercise in her kitchen. So she, she's absolutely not one of these gourmet cooks, and you're not going to find too many recipes in the Molly Barda books. <laughs> so it, it has many of the cozy elements. It Yes, and it's what a friend and fellow author, Leslie Karst, calls a snarky cozy. So <laughs> I love I guess that. that could be a, <laughs> that should be your marketing tagline. The snarky cozy. Well, that's what <laughs> Leslie writes, too. She's coming out with a um, book called, I think they're calling it um, Dying for a Taste. That's coming out from Crooked Lane Books next year. I was uh, privileged to read an early copy of it, but it's uh-huh. the same kind of thing. It's, you know, really not a lot of sex and violence and bad language, but at the same time, it's not very, very sweet like a lot of the cozies are. Now, the reason I quizzed you a little bit on the cozy aspect is because this series is published by Five Star. And right, yes. Five Star publishes a lot of different types of mysteries, but I don't, I don't, it's certainly cozy isn't something that they specialize in. Right, right. In fact, they do a lot of Westerns, too. Well, I something that I found, when I found out your book was from Five Star, I thought, oh, I know I'm going to like this. Because for some reason or other, almost every mystery that they publish, I really enjoy. And I don't really oh. understand it. There's just something, whoever's selecting the books in the, on the mystery side does a really nice job of it. Oh, that, well, that's Denny. She's, she's terrific. She's, she's the acquisition editor. She's wonderful. Okay, now this is a series, and yes. this is the first book in the series, and uh, you are an academic, and so you, you clearly plan things out very well. I saw <laughs> synopsis for the next four books in the series, as well as a prequel and some other things on your website, which is frankiebow.com. What's right. the story behind all of this? Like, how did I start writing? Well, no. Um, how, do, how do you wind up with, with, essentially, it looks like five books done or five books pretty close to done? Yes. And it gets, it gets easier. It, the first book, The Musubi Murder, I've been writing it since 2011. And what happens is once you get the characters, the characters kind of develop their own arc. They, they kind of develop their own thing because so at the end of the Musubi murder, it's like, okay, well now what's Molly going to do? And now how are things going to go? And there are things in her future, like when she goes up for tenure, how is that going to go? Not well, you can imagine, <laughs> uh, not smoothly at least um, <laughs> because it never goes smoothly for her. Recently, my most recently, if you're talking about sort of like craft and how to how to write. Well, no, I'm like, talking about how your first book's coming out, or it, by the time this goes live, it will have just come out. But right. you've got the next four written. Yes. So, 
what was that like to to have written essentially five books and apparently I'm guessing you were just kind of pitching as you were writing and then eventually you got the contract and now here you go and you've got these five books and you're ready to go and the first one is coming out and it's coming out it's out by the time people hear this and I'm sure that two weeks later you're going to be ready to have the next one out but it doesn't work that way in publishing no it doesn't work that way in fact I've that's funny that you should ask that because I have kind of been agonizing over that a little bit because I of course I'd love to go to five star and say buy all my books but they (laughs) They don't, you know, they, they're on a one, they seem to be on a one a year schedule just as most publishers Mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. And so I, yeah, I don't, I honestly don't know if I'm, you know, maybe after the first, they've penciled in the next one, the Cursed Canoe for 2016. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll self-pub the rest of them, or maybe I'll release the prequel just to kind of give the Musubi murder a bump. Um, I, I honestly, I don't know how I'm going to do this because I'm sort of in the happy position of it's the opposite of, Oh, my editor's hounding me and I don't have anything. It's like, I have all this stuff. Where do you know? Yeah. I, it, you, normally when I'll talk to people, it'll be like, yeah, I learned this was a series when the publisher said, this is a series, right? <laughs> because it, it oh. had been written as a standalone and that's all they had. And you're, you are in the opposite position where you've got the series and now you are working off somebody else's timeline, which I, I could see would be a little bit frustrating. I'm, I'm, I'm impatient, but you know, five star is so wonderful to work with. They just, you know, they, their cover designer and their editor and the, you know, just everybody there is so, so nice and so professional and so great that, um, I, I really do want, I, I, prefer to continue working with them, to be honest. Yes, and, and I don't blame you, because they are they're, they're very nice publisher, and I really like the cover as well. People can go to the show notes at crimefiction.fm. I'll have links to your site and other things there, whatever else we talk about, but uh, go and, or go to frankiebow.com and just check out the cover, because it's a beautiful cover, and it, it well, really does kind of give Joe away Bay, that one thing. She's, she's the artist, and She's just done such a wonderful job. Because Who is the, it again? You know, I kind of stepped on it when you oh, gave I'm her sorry. name. Deidre Waite okay. is the cover artist, W-A-I-T. And she um, really incorporated that you know sort of tropical color palette that's mm-hmm. so eye-catching. And when you see it on a page full of books, it, you just, your eye just is drawn right to it. I was so impressed by her work. All right. Now, we, we've been talking for the last few minutes about timing in the publishing world. When I went to your Amazon page today, I saw a number of reviews for the audiobook version of yes. this, which was apparently released prior to the physical book. So explain that to us if you can. So um, Five Star uh, took the rights, reserved the rights to the ebook and the hardcover, but they let me have the audio rights. So I, you know, sort of took that and ran with it. So mm-hmm. I went to ACX, which is the audiobook creation exchange run by audible.com. And that's where, uh, if you have a book up or forthcoming on Amazon, you can pair with a narrator and, um, produce an audiobook. And so I found the marvelous Nicole goes, and it was really a, a search to find her because I had, to, as you can imagine from reading the book, I had to find somebody who could do male and female voices, but mm-hmm. who could also do Hawaii pigeon and mainland voices. <laughs> and that is not a very widely, I mean, that's not a very common talent. Not a lot of people can do that. And she is just fantastic. So she'll have a conversation going between 
Molly, who was from the mainland, and her best friend, Molly's best friend, Emma Nakamura, a biology professor who grew up right outside of Mahina, who speaks pidgin. And um, she'll just have the conversation going back and forth. And it's you forget that it's just one person. You think it's two people having a conversation. She's amazing. I, I think it's just magical what n- narrators can do with, with good material. And when you pair the right narrator with the right author's work, it, it, it's so much fun. And uh, oh, yeah. do, will you be able to use her for all the books? She well, I, I am. I, I hope I'm not too hard to work with. I'm very <laughs> particular about. Oh, this person would say it this way and that. And so she, Nicole was very patient with me. And at the end, I asked her, "Would you want to do this again?" And she said, "Oh yeah, sure." So, <laughs> so I think okay. she's willing to work with me again. <laughs> I really hope so. I don't know if you saw the reviews on Audible, but uh, people are saying, "Oh, this narrator is great. She's perfect. I really want to hear more from her." So I really hope I can get her again. I, I think I will be able to. Are you a person that listens to audiobooks? I do sometimes. Yeah. Um, audiobooks are great for when you have to clean up the kitchen or fold the laundry or something like that. Yeah, or go get some exercise or something yeah. like that. And I've found as a listener that it, if it's the right narrator and the right material, I would prefer to listen to the book as it's being professionally narrated to me, than to read it. So there are some books that oh. I will listen to the entire series uh, with and others that I prefer to read. So it's just an interesting phenomenon and, and sort of a, an attachment that you get to uh, a narrator. Oh, yeah. Well, my, Nicole is a fantastic narrator. I hope uh, you get a chance to listen to her. She's very, very talented. All right, Frankie. Where can, where can listeners find the, the Mosubi... I'm going to get this right. Tell me Musu- again. <laughs> <laughs> Musubi. I'm Musubi. My choices now. Oh. <laughs> well, not everyone is illiterate as I am. Musubi. No, no, no. That's- Musubi. 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 Okay. Where, <laughs> where can <laughs> listeners find the Musubi murder? Oh, so the easiest place to go is my website. FrankieBow.com. That's just one word, F-R-A-N-K-I-E-B-O-W.com. Okay. And then you'll have links to where people can buy the book. I know that because it's Five Star, Five Star has great relationships with libraries. So if you can't find it in a bookstore, you can probably request it from a library and they would be able to get it for you. Yes. Yes. In fact, libraries have already started to order it. So I think that's, yeah. And that's good. That's a great way to build a readership. And we already know there are at least four more books coming. So this is the kind of thing we want to get in on the ground floor with. Oh, and could I make one more little pitch? You absolutely can. That's what we're here for. I have been invited to um, be part of a benefit anthology uh, that's going to benefit Read Aloud America. Okay. Ten Hawaii authors and um, as well as editors and artists, are all, we're all donating our time. So this is not something that um, I'm going to get any money out of, but I think it's just a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it, I, we're, we're working on a name right now. It's going to be something along the lines of Paradise, Passion, and Murder, uh, 10 uh, Mysteries from Hawaii, something like that. And so I'm, I'll have it on my website when it's closer to completion, but... Um, please stay tuned for that because I, I have a story in there. Um, other authors like you know Toby Neal 
and um, Terry Ambrose and just all kinds of wonderful Hawaii mystery authors are going to be included in that anthology. So again, thank you very much for being with us today, Frankie. And again, your website is frankiebow.com. Thank you, Stephen. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you are an iTunes listener, please subscribe and give us a rating or review. Those will help other readers find great new books like The Musubi Murder from Frankie Bow. That was my last chance. I hope I got it right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. That was great. That was perfect.